It's something about getting in front of adults that gets my heart racing, uh, little beads of sweat start to form, and that fight or flight um, instinct kicks in. But I'm going to try and fight through that to deliver this message that I think we all need to hear. Um, parents have a hard, hard job. Um, and it doesn't, you don't have to be a biologic parent to have that tough job. Every parent wants the best opportunities for their kids. Be it future job, the spouse, um, fame, fortune, and all the things that come with it. And we've all heard of those parents um, every year that move to another town to give their students that little extra nudge, be it in academics or sports. Or if your child is artistically inclined, moving to Juilliard or spending $50,000 a year on a private school because you think it may help their chances of being a better student. But what, it, what, does, what do we do for that little extra nudge in our spirit, children's spiritual well-being? A recent survey um, by America's most popular teen magazine revealed that only 4.1% of teenagers, or teenage girls, in America feel that they could go to their father to talk about a serious problem. Even more recently, USA Today published an eye-opening result of a study of teens under stress. When asked where they turn for help in a crisis, um, the most popular choice when this was written was music. Today is probably the internet. The second choice was peers. The third was TV. Do you want to know where we as parents ranked in turning to when kids are stressed? Well, moms have it a little bit better. They were at number 31. Dads were 48. And with this little interesting study, anybody want to guess when it was written? 1989, November 1989, was when this survey was done. And I wonder where the Bible ranks in that, or a spiritual leader might rank in those findings. And with all the things that the kids are turning towards, we wonder why at larger and larger rates and faster and faster we see the sinful, the results of sinful behavior at a younger age than any other generation before us. Um, just to kind of throw this example out there, there's this new drug that started out in Russia um, it doesn't only get the uh, user high, but it gets at the injection sites, the skin starts to die and turns rough 
And the nickname, or the uh, street name for it is Crocodile, which is Russian for crocodile, because that's what the injection sites look like. It looks like crocodile skin. And there are kids um, over in Russia, it's just recently made its way here to the U.S., but there are kids as young as 14, 15, 16-year-old that are using this drug. And again, we wonder why, if we aren't, as parents, being the, you know, the number one source of relieving teenage stress or the number one place that teenagers can go for prayer, support, and love. Well, with all these things, you know, that's just to name one of horrible things that are going on in our world today. Where's the hope? What is to be done? Where can we turn for guidance? When we pray, do we make a difference in our children's lives? Well, I like to turn towards some uh, heroes of the faith when looking for struggle to or a, 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 a way of curing an issue that I have. And we're going to turn to First uh, Chronicles 29. And when David is praying for Solomon, he prays big. He doesn't only just pray with Solomon. He prays in front of the entire congregation of Israel as they're preparing for David's retirement and the building of the temple. I don't know about you, but if I were to get up in front of, well, Christian's a little young to know what embarrassment is. But if I were to wait till he's, you know, 18, 20 years old and pray for him in front of you guys, how would he react? Would he drop his head and act embarrassed? Or would he probably hold his head up knowing that his father is praying for him and hoping the best for him in front of the people that care the most about him? All right. Um, we're going to start off on uh, 29.1. I'm going to skip a little bit, and then um, we're going to finish up the chapter. All right. In uh, 1 Chronicles 29, And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. And the work is great, for the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord God. So I have provided for the house of my God, so far as I was able, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, besides great quantities of onyx and stone for setting, antimony, colored stones, all sorts of precious stones and marble. I'm going to skip down to verse uh, 9. Then the people rejoiced because they had willingly given for the whole hearts that they offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. 
Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power with glory, and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are as exalted, you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great, to give strength to all. And we, now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure and uprightness. And the uprightness of my heart I have offered freely all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, performing all and that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. All right. I think it's a beautiful thing that David has prepared the way for Solomon. He got all the things that were needed to build the temple. The gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver. And he prayed for his son. He didn't pray for wisdom He didn't pray for money. He didn't pray that he would make the kingdom great. What he prayed for Solomon was that he would keep God's commandments, his testimonies, and his statutes. And build the temple. That's what David prayed for Solomon. Um... As we kind of know from history, um, Solomon kind of fell away. And he sinned. Uh, He um, married 700 wives, had 300 concubines. And with those women uh, came foreign gods. They brought along their household gods when they came and married Solomon. And Solomon and his unwiseness started worshiping those idols. However, um, in Ecclesiastes uh, 12, 13 through 14, we see him turning back to God. Uh, The man who built the temple for God, the man who wrote a good chunk of the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Proverbs, 
turned back to God in his dying days, away from sin. And I think it was partly having to do with David's prayers for Solomon. And Solomon, looking back on that day, when, he commissioned, when David commissioned Solomon to build the temple and to keep the commandments and the testimonies and the statutes of God. This is a blessing for all those parents whose child may at the present have turned away from their faith. Um, I have a, a college roommate. He has uh, two brothers and a sister. His younger brother, his second brother, has turned so far away from God at, at the moment. Um, even if he still believes, he's probably fairly angry at God. Um, I know he was fairly angry at his parents um, shortly after graduating from high school. Their prayer is that he will turn back to God and draw, uh, lose the anger and the pain that he holds so dear and that has made his lifestyle um, so dark. But they hold out hope and prayer that they, he will come back to know the commandments and the statutes and the testimonies of our God. Uh, we need to be like David and pray for the spiritual growth of our kids. Our students need our prayers now, more now than ever before. Isn't it a blessing that God provides built-in prayers in the Bible for our students? Um, they may, looking at them, we may not think that they are uh, applied to our current kids. But Paul here is praying for his former students in two places. Um, first, I read this one um, this morning. It's Philippians chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 9. And I, as I was doing the study, for some reason, 1 Chronicles 9 starts the prayer for Solomon and the, the, in Israel. And here in Philippians, it starts at verse 9 for the prayer of the Philippians. And then actually our next one, Colossians, the prayer for the Colossians start at verse 9. So I don't know, it may be just a wild coincidence, but it seemed funny as I was going through it. All right. And it is my prayer that you love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It is my prayer that your love... Oh, sorry, I'm reading the scripture that I actually had written down. Um, we should be praying this over our children every day. What is, it, what is more excellent? That Annalise and Christian are doctors or astrophysicists? Or that what Paul prays here comes to pass for them? As cool as it would be for Christian or Annalise to be astrophysicists, because I love space and have loved space for as long as I can remember, it would be cool that they could actually explain some of the things that are going on that God has created. But 
I would rather they be day laborers, making minimum wage or less than, and they be blameless and filled with the fruit of righteousness that they, then they not know who God is. That is my passion for my kids, is that they would know God more and love God more than this world. For them to forsake all the things, all the trappings of this world. To focus more on the love of God and the love of people. Um, now, um, Paul also prays for former students in Colossians 1, uh, 9. Again, like I said, that verse 9 thing is just popping out all over the place. Um, and so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Again, very similar to the Philippians passage. And I don't know, it just... Our students are so precious. And these students of Paul's, both in uh, Philippi and Colossae, were important to him. And his prayers for them seem very poignant and very focused on the will of God and the will of God in their lives. If we are to pray for each other and pray for our students, these are the types of prayers that we need to be focusing on. You know, there's nothing wrong with praying for our students to be successful. But it needs to be more that our prayers are for their spiritual success. With or without prayers, our students may be successful in life, but without our prayers for them, they may never reach the full potential in their faith. God, through his wonderful grace and his sovereignty, gave Paul the right words that we can pray over our students. If it helps, um, there's, uh, I'm going to give you some helpful hints, and then we may actually even do something that I get the students to do every once in a while and then actually participate um, in, our, in our lessons. If it helps, write down these verses on sticky notes and put it on their bedpost or the refrigerator or on the computer to remind yourselves to pray for them, then do it. Um, actually, I'm going to ask the students I've already asked to come up. Um, actually, you don't have to come up on stage. I know that's something you guys don't like to do. Um, I'm going to have them pass out slips of paper and pens for anybody who needs them. So if you don't have a pen or don't have access to a pen, um, you can um, just raise up your hand and ask for a pen. We're going to have, I'm going to have you write a prayer for your students, be it your own kids, be it students in the faith that you know and are raising up, so that you remind yourselves to pray for them and remind yourselves to be, have them always on your mind. Um, and as you're filling out those prayers, I forgot to have you fill out the uh, attendance cards. 
Um, so if anybody needs a pen, just raise up your hand as they're passing out the pens and the paper, um, and they will get you pens. Um, we're going to just take a, a few moments. I like to do this with the students to get them their minds thinking over what I've been teaching. Um, and if this helps you to, again, remind yourselves to pray for them, they are a blessing. And if we can keep them in our hearts and our minds to pray for them, it is a good thing. So I'm going to do something that um, most people don't like to do, is I'm going to shut up. I'm going to be silent while you guys write this out. So there's that awkward pregnant silence. Um, but as we do this, um, just think of a prayer that you could be praying for your students. And then after um, I have given you guys a few moments, um, we'll, um, I'll pray, and then we'll have the invitation hymn. I know it's very short, um, but I do want to share this while you're writing real quick, and then I'll, I will promise I will shut up. Um, growing up, I knew this woman named Ruth. She was the stalwart of the faith in our church. When I knew her, she was in her late 80s or early 90s and had a heart for youth that I don't think I have seen matched by any other person. She would tell you that she was praying for you. During the service, when we would have prayer requests, she would be one of the first ones to stand up every Sunday and ask for prayers for our youth. Um, she has since passed, but I look at her willingness to pray for us as inspiration for myself, for my kids, and for the youth group. We were always on her heart. And hopefully your students, as you're writing your prayers, are always on your heart. But now it's time for me to shut up. So. Place where when you see it every day that you'll be praying for them. Um, if it helps to put them on your monitor, or on your computer, um, on your fridge, um, on, a, on their bedpost as they're going to sleep, just put it someplace where you can pray for them daily.
Um, and I'm going to pray, um, and then I'll have the worship team come up. Then we'll have a time of invitation um, where the leaders will be up here if you need to be uh, prayed for um, or want to join the church or want to be baptized. Um, you can come and talk with one of us, and we'll get uh, those things worked out. Father, we come here today to worship you, to love you, to learn from your word to help us to live better lives, to learn to love you, to love others more and more. Father, I pray that we are focused on our students, be it our own kids or others who we take care of and to teach. Father, I just pray that as with Paul, we never cease praying and we always look to you for inspiration and our guide. Father, I just thank you for all the many blessings you've given. I lift up this day as a day of, of rest and of worship to you. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.